0: Hey, what do you say? Be careful, because Mars Attacks! This is Bobby Bliss from Overkill, you stay tuned. Hi, this is Bruce Kewley, and you're hanging with Mars Attacks. Hey, this is Chuck Billy from Testament right here on Mars
1: Attacks. Hey everyone, this is Dave Menachete from YNT, and you're listening right now to Mars Attacks. What's up, this is Doc Coyle from the band God Forbidden, and you're listening to Mars Attacks.
0: What's happening, this is Jeremy Goldberg from Age of Evil, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, what's up everybody, this is Joey Z from Life of Agony, and you're listening to Mars Attacks with Victor... Hey, what's up? This is Mercedes from Kitty, and you are listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, this is Tim Ripper Owens. You are listening to Mars Attacks. Get out of my face. Hi, this is Robert Plushman, and you're
2: listening to Mars Attacks.
1: This is Ron from HomeKit, you're listening to Mars Attacks, my buddy
2: Vic. Oh, yeah. There we go. This is Dave Silva, and this is Cy Taplin. Sorry, <laughs> Cy
1: Banner.
2: Say your name for the program. Sorry for that for I was just like standing Take out two, room. you say this is Sasha Crone. Yeah. <laughs> this is Dave Silver. Silver. And Cy Taplin. And Sasha Crone. And we're from
0: Savage, Savage
2: Messiah. Messiah. And you're listening to Mars Attacks.
0: Hey, this is Eric from White Wizard. And you're listening to Mars Attacks.
2: Hey, welcome everyone. This is Victor, your host of Mars Attacks Radio. Well, this is the debut episode of Mars Attacks Podcast. And what we're going to do here is bring you the best of the interviews that I've conducted uh, since the inception of the Mars Attacks Radio Show on Mark Striegel Radio. For those of you that are new to the show, uh, my show is a a show that debuts on Thursdays, 8 p.m. Eastern. 5 p.m. Pacific, and uh, what we have is a mix of music and interviews, and we sort of stick to one topic and sort of go along with that for an hour. Um, the episodes do repeat every Thursdays and Fridays uh, a bunch of times. You can find out more information right on MarsAttacksRadio.com. Uh, if you miss anything, don't worry, these interviews will be rolled out within the coming months. And uh, also, check out that I do have some of my uh, episodes or some of my interviews already. They already form part of uh, the Talking Metal podcast. Uh, There's an interview that I did with Dave Menachetti from YNT that that was used. Another one with Robert Fleischman. And soon after uh, I'm recording this episode... Uh, Episode 301 will be released, and it's supposed to have an episode that I did with Bruce Kulick. If you're curious to find out what we talked about during the episodes or whatnot, just check out the website, Mars Attacks Radio, and you'll find everything there. And uh, that's pretty much it. This first episode is going to have Eric Kluber from White Wizard conducted this interview right after he had recorded the guitar parts for Over the Top. Now, the album's been out for a little over a month here in Europe and on iTunes. In the States, it's going to be released shortly. And uh, sit back, relax. You're going to have more than an hour here with Eric. And uh, just to remind you guys, if you want to get in touch with me, just send me an email. New email address. You can send it to victor at marsattacksradio.com very simple. No more thinking of anything with Hotmail, Live.com, Gmail, or any of that. Just remember Mars Attacks Radio. That's it. It's long, but if you remember the show, you remember the address. Anyway, without further ado, here's Eric Kluber. We're going to finish the episode with a little bit of, uh, a little bit more of White Wizard, and then uh, that's pretty much it. Thanks for checking this out, and I hope you... Like what you've listened to, hope you check out the radio show and future podcast episodes. that doesn't know who Eric is Eric is originally from Detroit played with Overloaded and now is with Earache recording artist White Wizard um, first of all I mean obviously I've, I pointed um, listeners to your MySpace site which not only do you have the Randy Rhodes uh, guitar solo from Tribute but you now have a Tab up there on how to play uh, James Hetfield's uh, solos uh, from Master of Puppets um, mm-hmm. obviously you have a an excellent grasp on playing and you're able to pick pretty much anyone else's playing apart. And, and, um, you're obviously, as, as you've mentioned, you're doing all types of instructional things as well. Um, a lot of people don't realize that a lot of the bigger players have done this, you know, not only Randy Rhodes, but Satriani Lynch and, and many others. Um, what is the first thing that you do when you sit down and you actually want to teach someone how to play something do you have a specific set of rules that you go with uh, or are you just open to whatever the person uh... brings to your attention
0: i've, I've been doing this for quite a while i have i do have my own um, my own format of teaching my own I'm trying to think of the correct word of course <laughs> It's, it's, it's a teaching structure, and there's such a better word for it. But mm-hmm. I've been doing it for quite a while, and I always try to find out where the student is. If they're beginners, obviously, we start right from the beginning. That makes it kind of easy, it being a fresh slate. Mm-hmm. Um, with beginners, I'll get them started immediately on chords, um, which is it's just the first thing you learn is chords and rhythm mm-hmm. with some simple strums. We start playing along with simple songs. I really think it's important... To apply the music, and to get people playing on with it with entire songs right from the beginning, a okay. good three or four minute song, to help keep them motivated because especially in the beginning, it's one of the most difficult uh, times. and You can get frustrated very easily because it's hard just to do the most simple things, uh, and we get into scales. A lot of my I do teach a lot of students who have been playing for quite a while. Some of them are doing great right off the bat. But most everybody um, has a lot of holes in their foundation, especially metal players. Metal players have a huge habit of skipping basic uh, fundamentals. Um, A lot of metal players have very poor vibrato and really bad bending. They have bad habits of just bending out of of tune, out of pitch, not even having a concept of what note they're bending for. It's a really constant thing. And so, if I am with, like, an intermediate player, we'll start on, I'll start helping clean up their technique. Uh, We'll start with some exercises, and and I run through the exercises with the students, kind of like boot camp, you know? Um, So, we, we go through drills, and we add new ones, and scales as well. A lot of people, surprisingly, don't even know all five shapes of the minor and major pentatonic, which should be the first scale that you learn. It should not be the major scale. Okay. It should not be a G major scale or a C major scale. Because the, the simple reason behind that is because it's so hard to make music with a G major scale. Ninety percent of your rock solos are on a pentatonic, either a major or a minor, okay? And it's very easy to play a pentatonic without it sounding like a scale. When you go do, re, mi, fa, sola la, ti, do, it sounds like a scale, and in the beginning, it's kind of difficult to, to make it sound musical. So I am a firm believer that the first scales you should learn are the major and, well, excuse me, minor first, and then go back and learn the major first. I teach every scale starting from the root. So minor one starts on the sixth string. Minor two starts on the fourth string. Minor three starts on the fifth string. Minor four starts on the fifth string. Back to minor five, which starts on the, on the sixth string. Um, always starting on the root, so the, and ending on the root, so the student hears the scale and, and the key that it's in, and and we get to work immediately applying this knowledge and getting the student comfortable in using it. Okay, so back to that. The, the the funny thing, the surprising thing is, many people don't even know all five shapes of that, or how to use all five shapes of the minor pentatonic, and most people don't even know that the major pentatonic exists,
1: huh.
0: um, especially metal players, because most most uh, metal players. Are just so stuck in, into the, the minor side of things, which is the majority of metal. But you listen to players, um, especially players, you know, like a, a guy like Dimebag Daryl. Uh, one of the ways he keeps it so interesting is he will switch between major and minor pentatonic or major and minor sounds all over the place. Because when you're just kind of soloing over a drone, it could be in an any key, it could be an A, it could be an E. But if that's, you know, you're, you're soloing over power chord you have the freedom to go between major and minor and a lot of good players. And this comes kind of just from a more Southern mentality, listening to guys like Leonard Skinner and ZZ top. And the way that they keep it interesting is they've mastered both the major and the minor pentatonics. And beyond that, they just know where the major third is. They know what the sixth is. They know what it sounds like, you know, they, they know what it's going to sound like doing that half step bend from a six to a flat seven. And, and another, so, that's one thing I do and then I try to just break it down and just show how easy guitar um, the theory behind guitar is. It's not, It's not rocket science, it's not brain surgery. Learn the intervals. there's, there's only only twelve of them, I guess technically eleven um, and, and the difference between a, a second and a flat second, a major third, a minor third, a fifth and a flat five it's so simple and just it's all guitar is. Is just singing, but instead of using your voice, you're using your fingers. So you just have to have an understanding of, of, of just a basic um, way to, to converse. That's all you're trying to do is to get what's in your head onto your fingers. That's the bottom line. And some a lot of people get really frustrated because they can't, they overcomplicate it. It is so easy. That's why we start off, with the major and minor pentatonic. So then we move on to the diatonic scale, and you can see how your Aeolian and your Dorian and your Phrygian fit right within that pentatonic shape. You just add two notes, and you have a you have an Aeolian. You add two, um, two, two notes, you have a Dorian. And that same concept applies with all five shapes up the neck. And, and then, of course, you know, the, the shapes, you know, we look at the arpeggios, which also just tie into the open chords that you learn, like a C shape like an E major shape, like a G shape. Um, and you can see these, and you can, you can um, navigate the neck no matter where you're at. When you're playing the key of G, you can find the closest G and then um, basically plug a pattern around it, um, at least of one of the major minor pentatonics, and then have that as a foundation to, to follow. So those are some of the things that I do, man. And uh, we really emphasize um, improvisation, Getting people, a lot of people are really intimidated to improvise, huh. and um, so I think for a lot of people. It, there's just something about it. It's, it is. It, it's much more difficult than rhythm guitar.
1: Okay. You
0: know, uh-huh. um, it, just to apply the concepts because it's it's two in one. It's, it's it's doing. You have to have rhythm, okay, which is what rhythm guitar is basically about, right? So right. you got that's that's given, but you have to be able to apply some of these concepts and be comfortable with some of these scales. And at first, when you're just butchering notes and you're just going out of key, it can be so uh, um, d- discouraging. Um, and I'm not trying to downplay rhythm guitar. I, I, I'm i all about rhythm guitar, you know. I mean, I've spent many, 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 many hours, you know, learning every single guitar riff and every single Megadeth riff, and I love it. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand here and say that lead guitar is much more difficult than rhythm guitar. It just takes a lot more work. To be able to plot, to be comfortable with it.
1: So anyway, so
0: we'll start jamming around, and you know, some some people just kind of start noodling and, and bending out of key, and I'll try and show them the reason that sounds out of key.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Is because you're bending a full step, and you you'd you think that you'd think that would be the next note, but actually that's not the next note in the scale, depending on what they're trying to bend to. I mean, if they're they're jamming on a typical rock progression and they're bending to sixth the flat six, excuse me, the major six up a full step to a regular seventh, it's going to nine times out of 10, it's going to sound, be one of the worst notes you could actually pick. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you know?
0: And, um, and I mean, there are, there's plenty of ways to, 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 um, play notes that are out of key and doing and, and passing tones. I'm all about, you know, of course, you know, you're never limited by the rules or whatnot. It's just things to help. And, um, It's been been going really well, man. I've been doing it for many years. Uh, I I moved out here like six or seven months ago, and I'm finally getting established out here slowly but surely. Um, But anyway, who cares about that? Do you have any other questions about guitar?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, With regards to uh, techniques, um, what is the hardest – Technique, per se, to teach to someone. Uh, sweep picking, uh, just so long as you just mentioned, what is the not, hardest thing I to mean, get across?
0: To get across? Mm-hmm. Um, the, all right. Well, I'll do my best to answer that. Uh, I'll tell you right now, I am not a very good sweep picker. Okay. Um, and I am definitely not, not nearly as fast as I'd like to be. Okay. Um, so I, I can help a lot of people to an extent, but I'm not Mr. Technique. Gotcha. So, so for me, anyway, that's actually stuff that I am still working on and, and trying to improve my technique, which is has been kind of frustrating for a long time, you know, trying to get cleaner. Clean is what's most important, first of all. Okay. And especially uh, it's, it's to, to convey that to students, a lot of times, especially teenagers, really try and skip the fundamentals and and, and also when they're playing they tend to be really sloppy and so sometimes to kind of step backwards so we can move forward that can be a little bit of a challenge but with patience and just being kind of connecting with someone I think after a while they understand like oh you you know if I'm playing a thousand notes here but they all sound like crap it's kind of a waste of time. It'd be right. a lot better to play four or five notes that actually mean something. Right. Um, okay. And, you know, I have a lot of uh, technique um, exercises that I kind of said before that we just we just go through step by step, just like gym class, you know, just like doing right. jumping jacks all together and push-ups or whatever. It's the same thing. And, I don't know. It's, it's gone really well. So um, I think I, I really haven't had, like, anything not work as far as teaching goes, you know?
1: Gotcha. It's, okay.
0: It's, 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 what's, what's really important, actually, is just everyone having, having fun with the instrument. That's so important. If you're not having fun with the instrument, you're pretty much wasting your time.
2: Sure.
0: You know, if you're, if you're trying to get better and you're hitting a brick wall and you're getting frustrated... Mm-hmm. Might be doing damage to yourself, so that's so important. You know, to even to just take a deep breath and set set the instrument down if you're getting really, really frustrated. Because mm-hmm. I mean, I've hit many brick walls myself, and I know how frustrating it can be at times. And there's some things that just don't happen overnight. And there's right. some people that are blessed. I'm I'm really convinced. I have you know, I have friends that can play as fast as Paul Gilbert. You know, it's, it's amazing, <laughs> it's awesome, but. I do also feel that there is a little bit of this natural ability that everyone has different amounts of, you know, right. Everyone has different gifts per se. And some people just have that speed gift, you know, they're just
1: blessed.
0: And uh, so, you know, maybe, I mean, not everybody is going to play like Paul Gilbert, right. you know, he, you can, you can get, be the best that you can It'd be pretty rad. I mean, listen, you know, the guys in Iron Maiden, I'll tell you right now, cannot play like Paul Gilbert sure, as far sure. as speed goes.
1: Uh-huh. But they're awesome, right?
0: You know, so you just kind of got maxim- have to maximize um, your your set of gifts and just have fun with the freaking instrument, you know.
2: Yeah. Well, I I think that's interesting that you mention that because I remember years ago reading. Uh... Uh, someone saying that, say, uh, Dimebag was the greatest shredder. And he had said, you know, I can't shred nearly as good as Paul Gilbert can or, uh, you know, Marty Friedman back in the day or, or Jason Becker even. And he said, you know, it's not that I don't want to, it's just that I can't. And, you know, I play towards, you know, my strengths and a lot of people, like anything else, you know, as you're saying, you're gifted with certain things, and instead of trying to maybe play to those, um, people may look to um, either shred like crazy, as you're saying, uh, playing a thousand notes, even though none of them make any sense or fit in, just to, you know, be...
0: That's the worst. I mean, I think that's the biggest crime is, is just sloppy, crappy playing. Right. Um for the sake of, of trying to show off or just feeling like um, the competitive nature and just feeling that you have to play fast because you have to
1: right
0: that's it's a crime against the audience because no one likes that right no one likes that man um, what people like is stuff that's clean if you can do that stuff and you can make it sound clean and it sounds like music, mm. go for it right um, but a lot a lot of people. It, it, it like things that they can sing along with and remember. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's what's most. I just can't stress enough how important it is to try and be as clean
2: of a player as you can. And and that's yeah. interesting. Also, what, one of the other points you you touched upon uh, with saying that you know the guitar is ex- essentially an extension of your voice. How many you know big riffs have you heard that aren't you know the most complicated things? But, you know, it's so common to hear, you know, the crowds just singing along to that riff, even though there's no words to it. You know, uh, Black Sabbath is uh, Heaven and Hell. Or, you know, um, you'd mentioned Maiden, Fear of the Dark, things like that, you know, where the entire crowd is just going along, being moved, you know, to those riffs. That's something very powerful. And the Million Notes don't do that for you.
0: Right. Well, that's what you're (laughs) That's the ultimate goal. If you can honestly move people,
2: mm-hmm.
0: your music can move people to that extent, and you knit, you did it. You know, right. a lot of music is kind of trial and error, and right. that's why you just need to have a good time with it, because sometimes you're gonna strike gold. Right. You might write a song that you absolutely love. I wrote a whole album, Regen the uh, Regeneration, okay, and it got some good reviews, but a lot I got a lot of people telling me that whole album wasn't as good as our first one. Okay. I, don't, I personally liked it better, but that's what people, I got a lot of feedback like that. Like, yeah, your second album's all right, not as good as the first one. You know, there's, you guys are better then. I'm like, wow. <laughs> so, I mean, I can't take that too seriously, otherwise I would have hung myself.
1: <laughs> right, or something. Right,
0: right. I had fun with it. I enjoy playing those songs. I enjoy listening to those songs now. I'm proud of it. Um, yes, yeah, so you just you just have to have fun with music. If you take it too seriously, someone's just gonna pull the rug rug right out from underneath you.
2: Sure, sure. I mean, I, I I'm with you. And and unfortunately, you know what what I find is that a lot of the people that come up with those critiques or whatnot, comparing the albums like that tend to have never picked up an instrument in their lives. So they don't know what it's like to actually try to write something. They don't know what it's like to hit some type of a, a wall, have some type of writer's block, whether it's with lyrics or, you know, uh, with soloing or, or or whatever. So, you know, it's almost like being, uh, as I say, the armchair quarterback.
0: A little bit, but it's a double-edged sword. And I'll tell you this, another set of opinions that probably means less than someone that doesn't playing instrument are musicians <laughs> musicians are the most jaded people in the entire world
2: right
1: and
0: you got to take everything they say with a grain of salt um, <laughs> so you definitely don't worry about what don't worry about any about anybody because and musicians are the worst I'm, I'm telling you in fact most musicians I know don't even buy music or support you know support the industry it's funny and then that's just my observation. Oh. Most musicians I know, I know don't. It's I I would be more interested in in, in what like a, a a true fan thinks you know.
2: Right. Well, do you find that to be the same? Say back in Detroit as in L.A. Because what I've always heard is that L.A.'s a difficult crowd, just because of that. Because it's a lot of jaded musicians that either mm. didn't make it or are still trying to make it. So they're all trying to critique your performance instead of, you know, being into the that show. Could,
0: that could be. Yeah, i tell you, honestly, the whole music scene is, is really, it's always strange, and there's so many factors that go into it. Like, right. are people really having a good time and enjoying this, or are they just wasted, you know? Mm-hmm. Are people just <laughs> kissing your ass because they're your friend and they don't want to, you know, how bad you really sucked or really how bad you really <laughs> sounded that night? Or right. is it genuine? And so... <laughs> Once again, I would just not get too worried about it. Sure. I will say that, yes, the the, the scenes are different. Or, and not this this really relates to guitar playing, that um, L.A. Is, is a lot more competitive, and there's not really com- camaraderie between people hanging out. And there's not really a, as nearly as much of a scene as there was in Detroit. And, and what I mean by that is that in Detroit, you know, you'd go to you'd see the same people at the rock show. You know, I mean people that actually go out and go to the rock shows would interact and, and buy each other's beer and, and people would try to hook up and cheat on their girlfriends and all that stuff. And and, and it, it was a community and, and people really knew each other, truly knew each other within it. And there'd be parties and after parties, and et cetera, et cetera. And of course, I guess that happens out here, but not not as much. I mean, I think it's more of a a business type atmosphere. I don't, it, right. it is a bit strange, but once again, I'm kind of a newbie out here. I don't have the best opinion,
2: right? You know. Well, I, I so. think you would have less of a. Um, I think you'd have more of an impartial opinion because you have, you know, been centered in a place like Detroit for so long, and then you just got <laughs> out there. So you do have, you know, some type of uh, uh, something to balance off of to to sort of come across an educated opinion.
0: That's true, man. So, but I tell you, what there's a lot of cool things out here. Um, LA is pretty awesome, man. Yeah. It really is. I like I like living out here. I'm um, I'm um pretty close to the Sunset Strip. Oh, okay. And I, I go there very frequently, and there's a lot of great shows, and some good clubs that with good sound systems, and it's like, yeah, it's it's, it's really easy to to focus on the negative, but by by and large, it's really. It's, Uh, I enjoy it out here, and it's a cool place. I mean, I've seen a lot of diverse shows. I mean, I've seen a lot of local shows. I also saw Stradivarius a couple weeks ago at the Key Club. I really didn't have high expectations because, I I don't know, for some reason, I'd heard of their name for a long time, and I just thought they were going to be kind of nerdy, proggy metal. I was totally wrong, and they, like, blew my mind, you know? It was kind of like a life-changing show. And um, there's a lot of great opportunities to see some some killer bands out here.
2: Yeah, excellent. I, yeah. I was actually out there uh, about a month ago and uh, was lucky enough to see uh, Ace Freely play at the Viper Room. So uh,
0: you wow, yeah, that was a sold out show. Yeah, it
2: was excellent. So, uh, cool, man. if someone were to ask you what the hardest thing was for you to learn, you said that sweep. Tree picking wasn't your thing, but just keeping things clean would would be what has been the hardest for you, uh, or what would you say is, has been the hardest oh, thing me, for you to adapt to your playing?
0: Oh no, it's just speed in general. I'm just I'm okay. always trying to trying to improve my speed because it's I do think it's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. I, don't want be, I want to be able to rip like Inve. It's awesome. I just <laughs> I'm just always working on it, and you know it's tough. Real
2: tough. <laughs> <laughs> as, as far as uh, tuning is concerned, um, do you find it uh, different um, not only with your playing but when it comes across to uh, teaching some of the, the theory perhaps? Uh, when kids come from, say, different fads of playing, if you have someone that's younger and into some of the newer bands, uh, does well, the tuning? They
0: show up and they're all they're like tuned to drop C.
2: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's, i you, tuning
0: doesn't matter. There's really, there's really only two tunings, typically. Okay. I mean, unless you want to get the crazy Jimmy Page altered tunings and stuff, which I don't touch. Right. Um. Not, not on purpose, anyway. I'm not a fan of that. Okay. But, uh, I'm totally comfortable with straight tuning, which could mm-hmm. be straight, standard, E flat, D, C sharp, C. It's all the same, man.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, it's just, is just the pitch is lower. And then the other tuning is drop. It's either drop D, drop, you know, drop C sharp, drop C. What? And So there's really just either drop tuning or it's standard tuning. Drop tuning is more difficult for um, a student to, to to realize the concept. So I'll just have them tune up, you know.
1: Okay.
0: And it's a standard and look at it. Um, the, only, the real problem is when they have one of those silly Ford Roses on a guitar and, <laughs> just it makes tuning back and forth between drop tuning and standard tuning really difficult. And then if they're tuned to drop C and the guitar is set up for it, you can't even physically tune it up to standard because the springs are all out of whack. Right. So I, you know, I recommend that they block it off, at least for their lessons, you know, with some mm-hmm. physical pieces of wood or something. Um, but anyway, yeah, I'll just, because it's, yeah, first i I'll I'll show them the concepts in, in the standard tuning because they're just easier to look at. And then... If they wanna play and drop tuning, actually that's a whole new set of lessons. It's like all right, let's make let's apply these these notes, you know what notes are you playing, what key are you in, and how are you gonna solo because it kind of it makes it a lot more difficult to use the 6 string as as far as soloing goes, right you know 'cause you're thinking that's what, where a typical note would be, and then it's like drop the full step and you play out out a key, you know so So it's not a big deal, man. I've I've had yeah I've had a lot of students that are all about you know Lamb of God and Killswitch and freaking Devil Driver and all that. You know.
2: Cool. Um, And one of the other things that I was going to ask, um, and you sort of touched on it um, previously, was uh, learning to play along with songs. Um, What what songs? from from when you started to what you're doing now would you feel would be the most impactful on your playing which have later translated to the various albums that you've recorded yeah
0: Yeah, absolutely well I started off uh, I was a big Metallica fan okay and I learned a lot of Kirk Hammett solos man maybe Mm -hmm. too many to be quite honest (laughs) but um, that was huge huge and, and still my favorite I love Kill 'em All, man. There's okay. just something about it playing on. I absolutely love it. Slash, um, uh, I, I learned a lot. What I really like about Slash is he knows how to play to the changes, and most metal players don't.
2: Okay.
0: That's when, you know, if, it's, if the chord progression is G, C, D, he'll actually play in G major, C major, D major, you know, um, outlining a lot of the um, the tones of each chord and switching with it rather than just playing straight G major the whole freaking time.
1: Right. Which is what...
0: Most metal players aren't very good at that. You know, most metal players will stay in one scale no matter what and they have a real hard time switching. And that's just more of a Southern rock country thing or blues. So, non- and Flash kind of comes from that school, which is cool. Sure. So, Flash. Uh, Randy Rhodes. Okay. Um, what I also like, what I like about a lot of Randy's playing is, is it's accessible. Like, some guys are just so fast. It's, I mean, Randy was awesome, mm-hmm. but he's not so fast that he's untouchable. As okay. far as like learning his stuff, you know, and it's and it's absolutely solid, solid playing. I, um, you know, I, I really gravitate towards, you know, I guess towards guys um, that. I don't know I can play this stuff.
1: <laughs>
0: and, uh, yeah, some maiden and, oh God, what else? Skinner's Yeah. Leonard Skinner. Absolutely. Especially when I went and I was living in Georgia and I realized, uh, I was like 19 or 20 at the time. And I had some, uh, you know, some friends that kind of told me that my bending, my vibrato really sucked. <laughs> right, <laughs> And so, they recommend, you know, we, I, I started, like, really learning a lot of Skinner solos, note for note. And, and that's where um, I think I learned a lot of Tasty Licks and, and how to do a lot with a little, that whole concept. And bending, you know, really helped my bending how dramatically in my vibrato. So those okay. some bands that really that, that helped me out, you know, as far as lead goes. And, and Rhythm was all about Metallica, Slayer, and Megadeth. It was just straight-up metal, you know.
2: Okay. That's that me, yeah. Do you think that maybe it's a detriment within the, the metal community that a lot of people just listen to metal and they don't branch out and listen to some blues players or maybe listen to, uh, I don't know, jazz or something and try to incorporate... Things that aren't just metal into their playing.
0: Oh, absolutely. There's no question about it. The thing is, you can't force it. You can try and force it. I've tried to force it on myself a lot of times to listen, listen to other music. And there's nothing worse than listening to music that you truly don't like. Sure. Like it'll put it'll put you to sleep. It'll put you in a bad mood. Give you a headache. <laughs> um, so you you can you can kind of force it to to hopefully find some things that you do like, but if you don't like something like there's a lot of jazz that I just can't get into, man, I don't care. There's so much stuff. And I know these guys are super talented. I cannot listen to it, man. I will fall asleep literally. Sure. So, um, yeah, but I mean, that's, you know, I got into Skinner when I lived in Atlanta. I mean, that was huge on me, man. Those guys, but to me, they're kind of metal as well. I, some sure. people don't get into it. But to, to answer your question, yeah, I think it's, it's great to try and explore things, but not in a fake way, not just to say that, oh, I listen to Coltrane because he's Coltrane. Right. I listen to Coltrane because you like it. I, I don't. I'll tell you right now. I sure. have never been able to get Coltrane. I've gotten into some Miles Davis.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I've gotten into um, Charlie uh, – oh, of course, I'm going to forget his name. <laughs> okay. You know, the, 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 the point is that um, – Man, that really does bug me. I can't. Charlie Parker. No.
2: Charlie Parker's a drunk. Yeah, I
0: mean, that's not what I'm looking for. He's, he's, he's this really cool uh, black guitar player that played with Benny Goodman. But anyway, but he was really cool. And there's just something about his playing. It was bopping and it was moving. And to me, I could always kind of find some metal into it, you know? Sure. Like to me, it's skinnered with metal um, in their own way. Black, um, Deep purple, man. Awesome stuff like that. I think everybody should actually listen to a lot more classic rock if they can. Just find the classic rock that moves them. Sure. Um, yeah, Deep Purple. Holy crap. That's the stuff to listen to right there. <laughs>
2: that, and that's funny because you see so many people on the forums nowadays that all rag on all that stuff. Say, ah, oh, you know, that's not metal. That's not this. And and they don't realize that there's like a whole evolutionary chain that came from one thing and just evolved into the next thing. And, you know, I've been online and seen so many people say, for example, that Purple isn't, you know, metal. And without, you know, Richie Blackmore, you don't have Inve Malmsteen. You don't have, you know, any of these shred players in the 80s, which evolves to Dimebag and the guys in Lamb of God and and so on, you know? Yeah.
0: Hey, real quick, before I forget, Charlie Christian, that's the name of that guitar player. But anyway... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the evolution of, the evolution of metal is. Um, you know, it whatever floats your boat, man. I tell you, yeah. if, if someone's not ready for it, I've got to be honest. When I was growing up, and it, I mean, like, it took me a while to get into Led Zeppelin. To be quite honest, okay. like, you know, big classic Led Zeppelin, you're almost like, you're shocked if you don't like them. But it took me a while. I for many years, I just didn't get it. I mm-hmm. just, I, I, it just sounded, and it wasn't exciting to me at all. Mm-hmm. And I finally probably got into them when I was around eighteen. It probably sure. took me that long, or maybe seventeen or around there. Like before then, I don't know. I just I just wasn't digging it, man. Well, so you just can't force things. But uh, I sure. do. It is good to at least try some and have an open mind. You know, you know, and not just be an open mind, not just be stuck in one place.
2: A- absolutely, you know? And that's funny you mentioned that about Zeppelin because I was complete opposite with uh, Metallica. So I didn't. Really get them until, you know, same deal, 18. But I loved Megadeth that whole time, so go figure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Cool, man.
2: You touched on uh, some of these blues players, for example. What other guitarists do you listen to, you know, just for the hell of it, um, that people would be surprised uh, that you listen to?
0: Try to think about It's kind of a hard question because my CD collection is. Is uh, I don't know if I phrase it well. Anyway, my CD collection is at my parents' house in storage, okay. <laughs> so I have I have a hard drive with whatever albums I could get on there before I had to move.
2: Sure.
0: Um, I mean, so honestly, the best answer I can for that question is I've been listening to to Steel Panther a lot. Okay. Which is this band out here in LA, and yeah. um, they're freaking amazing. It's so funny is that like I guess for Their shtick is comedy, but to me, they write better riffs than everybody else. And like musicians, as musicians, they're flawless. And like, I actually think their lyrics are genius. (laughs) Uh, Really, and so, you know, that's one thing about metal. Like everyone says, oh, they're not a real band. I'm like, I think they are. I I
1: think
0: they, I think they have just as much merit as all these quote unquote serious bands. In fact even more. I think they've transcended, they've gone beyond um all the serious bands and really know how to entertain.
2: No, I was just gonna say, and that's funny you bring that up, because how many bands, um, you know, in the eighties, especially in Thrash, you know, never took themselves seriously and a lot of their lyrics were, you know, maybe in another extreme, but they really weren't taking themselves seriously, you know, whether it was their image or or their lyrics. So it's really not all that far-fetched.
1: Yeah, not at
0: all. And, and, I mean, it's not guitar playing-wise, but there's a lot of cliches. Um, It's tough to say, because, I mean, Steel Panther is full of cliches. But (laughs) this this whole concept of, uh, of death and murder and killing, it's just, it's, it's kind of old hat, you know? There's sure. nothing extreme about it. It's just like the word fuck, you know? Like, I don't know, maybe one time when I was 12, that was a big deal. It's just, it's kind of crazy to me that, like, Guns N' Roses' um, Appetite for Destruction at one point was considered an obscene album. Like, that was sure. really, really obscene. And then, like, nowadays, an episode of South Park or Family Guy is more <laughs> extreme than that entire album. Right, right. So... So just like just being obsessed with death or Satan or Christianity or like these are not mind blowing or extreme concepts you know it's just like really old hat to me so so some i don't know some some things that people take seriously i i just you, i don't even think about them anymore it's like it's like someone trying to convince you that common knowledge things like yeah oh, you know, women really should have the right to vote, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, yeah, no shit. You know, I mean, you don't even think about that. But it's, to me, that's kind of how some of the serious bands are still talking about stuff that, in my mind, was settled frickin' 20 years ago. Sure. You know? so
2: What separates the gear that, obviously, what you're using when you're giving these lessons is completely different to what you're using in the studio yeah, to what well, yeah. you're using out on the road? What, sure. di- what differentiates the gear that you have in those three settings?
1: Yeah, well, for
0: sure, man. Um, first of all, uh, for teaching, when I used to go house to house, and I tell you, for practice amps, I don't think you can beat the little crate 15-watt amps. Okay. They used to be called GF-, GF 15 and you can buy them on eBay, like delivered to your house for like 40 bucks. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, I remember I was teaching at Access Music and I was like, these amps sound pretty freaking good, you know, for what they are. And they're totally transportable. And then the newer ones have built-in effects which aren't bad, man. I tell you, I'm really impressed with those. Um, for a practice amp, I think they're absolutely awesome. I think they're way better than Line 6, uh, Vox, Fender, Marshall even, for, for little practice amps. um. At home, I've got a, a line six tone port that I plug into, which I'm really super impressed with. I've had that for about a year. gotten some great sounds with it has a lot of built like a built-in metronome um, comes with recording software you can program drums. I recorded all my demos for the new White Wizard album on him, on it. It was a hundred bucks. I mean that is just an amazing piece of technology so. And it's simple. It's for musicians. I bought Pro Tools. It was way too complex. I had to sell it on eBay. You know, it was way above me. I could not freaking use it. And this uh, program that comes with the Ableton, is a lot easier to use, you know, because I get real frustrated easily with those programs. Um, Mm -hmm. And as far as my live rig goes, I've I've had an amp for about almost 10 years now, Marshall JCM 800. I believe it was like a 1987 model. It's actually a two-channel model. Um, although the clean channel is, is pretty damn awful, but I don't use the clean channel. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a 2010, it's a 100 watt amp, and, um, I have yet to find another amp that sounds as good as it, at all. Okay. Uh, I've, I've played many, many amps. I've never heard one. Um, the in my opinion, the Marshall JCM 800 is the greatest amp ever built in history. Okay. Uh, I'll take it over. Anything, any Mesa boogie, dual rectifier, triple rectifier. I had a Mark IV, didn't compare. Um, um, The tri-axis, no way. Um, And people talk about plexis, like Marshall plexis. I'm like, they suck. They're, they're, (laughs) in my opinion, compared to a JCM 800. I can't stand the 900s, 2000s, terrible. Um, This is just my own opinion, you know. I know that pisses some people off. Don't mean, but, but hey, man, JCM 800. Of course you you got to try them. I was like, some of them suck and some of them are amazing. You do have to like play them, but, um, yeah, so the, I, I, I plug straight into that, man. That's where I get my, my sound from. I use the effects loop. I've got a MXR phaser. I've got a delay, a boss delay pedal. I've got a boss EQ pedal that I use in the effects loop to, for a boost, for a volume boost. I don't even see the point of being in a two guitar band unless you have a volume boost. I've seen so many bands, um, and the guitar player goes for a solo, and you can't hear him, and it's like, why are you even wasting your time? You know, I don't, I don't sure. get it, you know? So, but it has to be in the effects loop, because if you put it in before the amp, it does, not makes no effect. If you put it in the effects loop, you can only turn it up like half a millimeter and make a huge jump.
1: Okay. It's
0: strange. Now, what else? Okay, so I got the, I use the delay, the boost. I've got a, a noise gate, because Marshall's, Marshalls are loud amps, Make all, okay. and I use that in effects so those are my effects. It's really pretty basic. I've uh, been playing um, been playing Gibson Les Pauls for a couple years now. I used to uh, play Fender Strats for a while, or Strat-like instruments, you know?
2: Sure. Uh-huh. Uh,
0: I just have studio models. I got Motor City pickups in them. It's just a company out of Detroit that makes, like, really sweet pickups. And... Um, yeah, the studio models are great, man. I, I don't need like like a thousand dollar paint job. I could really give two shits about that. Right. Um, and I I throw on the locking tuners. and I just do everything I can to try and keep them in tune. You know. Sure. And uh, and that's one of the reasons I I used to play on the on the Floyd Roses, which 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 are kind of cool. It's just it's such a pain in the ass to change strings. And um, it, and uh, there was a time where I was. Sw- playing in a band that was switching quite a bit to drop tuning and standard tuning. And you sure. just can't do that with a Floyd Rose. So I got used to fixed bridges, you know, and that's one of the, the benefits of a fixed bridge.
1: Right. So, absolutely.
0: I, I'm, um, really interested in getting a flying V, but I just, it's not in the cards right now. Uh, I played a flying V in the studio. Uh, I played through my Marshall for the rhythm tracks and, um, Played John our bass player as a flying V, and it, I was like, "Wow, oh, this thing feels pretty, pretty awesome," you know. Sure. So I was like, "Wow, oh, that would be neat." Um, and then like he had like a Soldano amp, which I honestly wasn't a big fan of uh, this particular one, but I used it. Did use it for some overdubs. It was really bright amp, which a little too bright in my opinion, but whatever. And um, and Ralph had me play through a Bogner for the for the lead. So I just, as far as the studio goes, you know, I just. Um, we're working with a great producer and I just trust him and whatever he thinks I should play, I'll play. You know, that's, I just, that's how you, you really shouldn't be using a producer if you don't trust him to make decisions like that. I'm like, Hey man, whatever is going to turn out best. You know, I was happy that he was like really impressed with my Marshall for the main rhythm tone. I was like, yeah, that's what I thought. That's kind (laughs) of, that's kind of, that's kind of it, man.
2: Do you have any type of ritual that you perform for warming up before a gig?
0: I'm still looking for a ritual. This—that's <laughs> that, another thing that I've been working on for years. What's most important is to—is to get into a music sort of mode, okay. because me anyway, I'm not always in a music sort of mode. My my brain is like either like worried about work or bills or money or things like that, you know.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you need to switch over into music mode. <laughs> and, sure. The best I, I can is just playing for me it's just, just playing really simple stuff.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but actually getting my brain to start singing, you know, singing and thinking about music and being able to hear a beat. Yeah, it's all about a beat, you know, if I can get into a beat, it just takes me a while to to shift and like once I'm warmed up I'm like, Yeah, man, I'm ready to rock, man, I'm feeling it feeling every note.
1: Right. And
0: sometimes I get on stage and I'm not I don't I'm just not in the zone and it takes me like some songs that truly really pisses me off when you get out and your first song is kind of um, not as good as it should be because you're just not in the zone yet. Mm-hmm. But it's that's just the human body and it does happen, you know. Sure. So it's tough. I used to drink a lot more with Overloaded. Mm-hmm. That's just how we were. We used to drink. We were a really heavy drinking band. Um, not to the point of affecting our performances, but but we were heavy drinkers. And um, with White Wizard, it's, it's uh, not that way, man. Actually, mm. uh, I might have a beer before we play. That's about it. It's just I don't know. It's just the vibe of this band it isn't. Um, uh, we don't we don't we don't get wasted
2: <laughs>
0: before shows. <laughs>
2: sure. You know. Well, I, I mean so, it's uh, it's like all of music. You have a certain vibe, a certain feeling to it, and you're just going with what feels right.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. So. um yeah, that's that's something I'm, I'm thinking about getting. Um, I know there's some headphone un, units now out. That I think I've read about that you can just plug in. And they're really small, and you can just they'll go into your headphones from your guitar. and might actually have some good sound. Like I had something called like the 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 hot. I don't know what it was called, like a like a rocket, like a it had some cheesy ball name, right? And this was back sure. in, in the day when I was starting out, but it sounded so terrible. I mean, come on. <laughs> the idea was it was a, it was a portable thing. It kind of looked like a a Walkman. And um, and it was about that size, which at the time was like like portable, but it sounded so horrible. It's just awful to play through, but I have sure. a feeling nowadays with the technology, it, it might sound sweet and that helps too. I mean, it kind of sucks to like be playing your guitar and not hear it because there's a lot of commotion wherever you're trying to warm up. So if you, I actually had a, a headphone unit. That would be pretty, that would help me a lot just to get in the zone. I'm thinking, you know.
2: I think actually Line 6 has something real similar to the um, the UX1, but it's a portable job, where it actually doubles as, I think as a four-track recorder as well, and they have all these effects built into it. I haven't tried it, but I've read reviews um, that are yeah, that pretty sounds, positive.
0: That sounds... I would definitely be interested in checking that out, because I'm so happy with the the UX1 tone yeah. for it. So, yeah, that's the type of thing I'm talking about, That. I'll probably look into before we go out on Tool in January.
2: Ah, perfect. Um, any endorsements yet? You looking for endorsements? Anyone offer you any endorsements?
0: Um, that is something that our manager is supposed to be working on. Okay. Yeah, we, we really use the help, that's for sure. Um, I've been kind of had a small endorsement from GHS Strings, which is a string that I've been using forever. I've had that for like 10 years, you know, with, uh, it's just an artist discount, you know, but it helps. It's cool of them to do that, you know, so I've had that for a while. Um, so that's about it for now. Um, that is in the works and that would be cool to get some support and, you know, someone to, to be interested in what we do. I mean, we're probably just going to have to prove ourselves and prove that, uh, we're a good band and then people might sure. I don't know, pay more attention.
2: <laughs> well, I, I mean, um, I think obviously w- between the label and, uh, you know, the obviously the, the bands that are listed so far on this tour you guys are doing, they're, you know, they're known bands, they're international bands, so I'm sure yeah. as time goes by, things should come your way.
0: Well, I think so, and it, me personally, it's not something that I'm that concerned about, you know, I've got a good rig, you know, I've got two guitars, so if I break a right. string on one, the other, and I really don't need much, so... Yeah, that's that's something that's in in the pipeline, but it's just not a high priority for me, to be quite gotcha. honest.
2: Yeah, and that's funny you mention that, because there are a lot of artists that you see that once they switch to something else, it almost completely changes their sound, you know? So all, it's almost yeah. one of these situations where if it works for you, you know, why, why mess with it?
0: Right, exactly, man. So I would be interested um, in Hamer guitars, uh, they they put out a vector which is like their flying V mm-hmm. which actually I think would be kind of cool I haven't played one yet so I would have to play it you know see if I right. dig it I've had good experience playing hammer guitars in the past that they're pretty sweet
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, it's also kind of neat because not everyone plays a hammer right um you know Gibson's way more popular so it'd be kind of unique to do that so I'd be I would be definitely interested in, in that hammer vector that'd be cool It's a thought you know.
2: As as one of the newer members in the band, how much freedom do you have as far as the, the songwriting is concerned? I didn't
0: have much. I didn't have very much at all. This is it was kinda of interesting for me because coming from a band where I was like pretty much the band leader, you know, and responsible for majority of um majority of the music, you know, at least at least guitar wise this, I was kind of, I kind of came out and I was pretty much presented with songs. You know, it's like, this okay. is, this is how the song goes. Learn it. You know, I had, you know, I threw out a couple of suggestions for maybe some arrangement changes and, you know, I added a riff here and there. I know there's one riff in particular that I, that I changed, but, but by and large I had very little input on the writing process at all. It was just a matter of, uh, cause John, our, our, John is our band leader. John, um, plays the bass he also plays guitar as well and so he would present the songs and by and large i would learn them and but just you know i mean i'm a better guitar player than he is so he would take the guitar part and it'd sound a lot better right sure and then you know might take you know writing some harmonies above it or just doing some different voicings of chords um and then i wrote the solos you know i had free reign there and so that was that was my um that's what, what I contributed to this album. And I tell you, man, it turned out so good. It really did. I can't believe it. It completely surpassed my expectations. I heard it for the first time like three days ago. Okay. And, um, it was just at our rehearsal stage, man. And, uh, and it, because it was written so fast, like we put this thing together in five weeks. That's unheard of, at least from the way I'm doing things, you know? Sure. And, and, and on top of it, it wasn't like five. You know, it's not like we were getting together like forty hours a week, man. I mean, everyone's still just like kind of doing their normal lives, which is the situation that most bands that I know of are in. You know, it's not like you, it's a full time job. You know, I mean, you got to have your your domestic life and then do this on top of it.
1: So right.
0: it was really done in a crunch, right? And then we went, and we drove out, and we uh, to Phoenix, and we recorded all the music in a week. Uh, I did all the guitars, like all the rhythms and all the all the guitars, because we did it for saving time, you know, we really didn't have the time to have it. Chad come out and do do parts. know, I just did them all because it'd be a lot simpler that way, a lot tighter. Sure. Yeah, and so and I hadn't heard it. so the music turned out great, like even better. Like when I left Phoenix, I was like, wow, this sounds really good. <laughs> and um, but the funny thing is, they hadn't written any vocals, so. Okay. This whole time, we just did all the music first. And then Wyatt went out like a, like a month later, because we had to do some like a showcase in New York. And um, so we had to go back to performance mode. And then we went back. And then Wyatt, I think it was right around Labor Day weekend, went out and did all the vocals. So it was a complete mystery to me. I hadn't heard any of the vocals. I mean, that's a huge part of the songs.
2: Sure.
0: I mean, so then I heard it. And I was like, oh my, wow, it really... Wrote some killer stuff, man. This great. Just hooks. Yeah, the songs sound ripping. I mean, it's, I'm really happy with how it turned out, man. So,
1: cool. Uh, excellent.
0: When it comes out in uh, early 2010, you know, I guess it's going to be called Over the Top, which is the name of one of the songs. So okay. that should be it unless something changes.
2: Cool. As far as the touring is concerned, I know that you'd mentioned that uh, you may be playing at some festival later on in the year in 2010. Anything that you well, we, guys... We are. Okay.
0: We, we are. We're, we're playing Keep It True. Ah, and it? that's in like April. That's in Germany somewhere.
1: Right. It'll
0: be my first time um, in Germany for sure. You know? I can't wait. And I, I would assume... And there's been talk of um, a tour that's planned around it, like a three-month tour, which would be rad. But you know, it's just talk at this point until it's until it's solid. You know, you can always speculate. But yeah. the the North American tour with Tor- with Corbikopani and Tear and Swashbuckle is mm-hmm. confirmed. Right, that's happening, and that's going to be intense, man. It's the middle of winter, starting <laughs> off in the Northeast, going through Canada. Oof, <laughs> it's tough, man. Twenty-three shows. 24 days.
2: Some warm weather going on, that's for sure, and that'll probably add to the entire atmosphere as well.
0: The warm weather is going to be freezing, That's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's going to be so cold. I don't know if these guys, because they, they get cold in Detroit, you know, And, and I, but I don't know if these guys have really experienced the freaking the
1: pain
0: that of winter that it can be, man. It's going to be, it's going to be intense, but we're
2: stoked. As far as the interaction with Earig so far, has has it been everything that being on a big label like that, you know, a, a, a seminal metal label, uh, has has lived up to uh, so far? Or how has yeah, well, that experience been?
0: It's been neat, you know. I I, I am um, pretty much just the guitar player of the band, so I sure. I'm not in the direct line of communication. John, bass player, is the band leader, so he talks with. Digby or whoever out in at, in Iraq land. But um, I've been really happy They came out. Um, a couple of the peeps from Iraq, uh Tolita and Lucy, came out with a reporter from Kerrang magazine named Nick. We hung out for three days, and then we did a photo shoot with Neil Whistle. And I think they were feeling us out. just wanted to see how we are as people. It's scouting, man. I mean, he's got to be realistic about it, and, and I understand that 100%.
1: Right,
0: and I think we all got along really, really well. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate that they're looking into things like that, you know, because that's an expensive. It's expensive to fly three people out from from England to California and put them up in a hotel and et cetera, et cetera. But it's definitely worth it when I know what you're getting into, and that that showed to me that they really do care about this project. Um, And one of the contacts, you know, they have. Put us, you know, we got us in the Metal Hammer magazine as well. That was a really neat interview, <clears throat> and and oral. That was like two pages. It was pretty cool. And um, put us on some compilation CDs. They've been, you know, they flew us out to New York. Met the New York office out there. Um, played Brooklyn. Um, so it's kind of. I, I think it's been stages, I and mean, you just got to be realistic. Like we still have to prove ourselves. You know, it's been step by. Step you know first I had to prove coming out here just to show that I was good enough to be in the band sure. and we had to do some shows and then so we started we did some interviews and sent it to them like kind of a YouTube thing so they got to know us a little bit through that and then they sent the people out and we got get to feel of us um, and then we wrote the album we recorded it then we did the new the showcase in New York which was a huge test man I guarantee that they just wanted to see if we could deliver the goods,
1: sure. and I
0: don't blame them for That's absolutely you better be able to deliver the goods, you know so it's a it's test day by day. You know. Is the band going to be able to keep it together going on a short little road trip like this? Because it still is. I mean, it's just like <laughs> everything stupid things, like from making it on the plane on time to obviously getting along. And then, then we did another show in Connecticut. And just, is this band going to keep it together or over a two-day weekend and they're going to fall apart and do something really stupid?
2: Sure.
0: Or at the same time, are they total geeks and nerds? Sure. <laughs> Which is not cool either. Like, I'm serious. They don't want... You know, they don't want some, a bunch of total, like, choir Nancy boys out there. I mean, I don't know. It's just how these guys conduct themselves, you know? And, uh, um, I mean, that's what I think. I guess I could be wrong. That's my speculation. Right? And then, then they heard, the, you know, then White had to do his vocals, and, you know, then we had to wait for the album to get mixed, and then I guess they just heard the album, and I guess they're really digging it from from what I heard. Cool. You know, so it's step by step, and then we're gonna do this first tour. how is that going to go and then I just think it's going to keep building. we sure. just have to keep passing these challenges you know so um i've been I've been really happy with it, but it's, it's totally in the beginning stages you know
1: Cool.
0: So Very cool. I think it's awesome man I mean the, the c came out everything they said they've, they've talked about so far has happened. Merchandise, you know, we talked about getting these three-quarter baseball sleeve t-shirts with the logo on them. That happened. Pins happened. Other t-shirts happened. I mean, t- everything seems like really legit to me.
2: Cool. Very cool. Yeah, I yeah. was going to mention that as well. When the uh, when they released the EP a few months ago, they were bundling that all together with different packages, like the uh, t-shirts that you had mentioned as well, which is which is cool. I think Earache still gets it. I think some of these other labels have gotten so big that they almost forget what it's like to be a fan to, you know, appreciate the CD and whatever else is is thrown in there or, or grouped together with with what you're buying. And you know, um, Earache doesn't have you know, maybe they don't have a, a Slipknot or a Metallica or anyone like that. But I think all of their bands are. are Cool, all the uh, amongst themselves, and and still they put that emphasis in the music and in giving, you know, fans what they're looking for. So,
0: yeah, I think they're really street level, and it's also you know it's European street level and it's American yeah. street level. They have offices. I think that's really important. Yeah, um, to have kind of the coolest elements of both cultures, you know, uh, working together, and those are two epicenters of metal, and. So, so far, so good. I'm, you know, I, I, that's really the best I can do as far as reporting what's going on on that front.
2: Excellent. Um, is there anything else you want to let, uh, you know, any uh, old overloaded fans or any White Wizard fans know?
0: I mean, I just appreciate everyone's support, and uh, I know these are tough times, but, of course, i got to give an extra hats off to anybody that, that takes the time to to purchase, you know, a CD through Amazon or through a, a mail order site or something like that really means a lot and, and that's you know, that's obviously how how bands can are going to succeed. So, thanks a lot for that. Really appreciate that and, and uh can't wait to get this new CD out to you. I'm really excited. I, I think we're doing something uh, new. It's a big departure from the first album, it really is. You know, because it's a whole new band. I mean, it's John replaced the entire band. And um, I really like the first CD a lot, High Speed GTO. That's why I got into the band. I mean, I'm I'm understating it. I was a huge fan of that. But I do think it's neat that this band has its own personality. It's not like just a cover band of the original one. And we really have moved forward. And and I was just so, so happy to hear. I I think we're making a contribution. And it sounds really different. I don't think there's any other bands out there right now doing... You no, I think you're doing it right when you actually have your own unique stamp on things. So, right. Check it out, and you and you tell me what you think when it finally comes out. You know, you might, you might be like, dude,
1: you suck.
0: <laughs> no, it's gonna be awesome.
2: Well, I, I think High Speed GTO kicks ass. Uh, I mean, to be honest with yeah. you, that holy p is awesome, and I'm I'm chomping at the bit. You know, for for the new album to come out, especially with everything that you know, has been said about um, about Wyatt, and I mean, just seeing your playing, you know, it can only, you know, both things can only help, you know, make what was originally there so much better, so.
0: Well, it's not, you know, I just want to stress on that. I don't want to get into any competition of what's better or what's worse, because sure. I'm, I'm a huge fan. I, I don't think that you can top those. Those songs are what they are, Sure. and they're awesome, but this isn't in- Band And I, I think it has something unique to offer to the metal world. Right. So it's, it's different. They're both really good. And this is truly is going to be a departure from the first EP. Okay. This may turn some more people on, which may turn some people off.
1: Sure.
0: But it's in my, I, I think it turned out really well. Like I said, for what I, when I heard the the new album, it surpassed my expectations. And I think the metal community is going to have... Be entertained by it, you know. I think they get their money's worth.
2: Excellent. Like I said, that's, I guess I'm,
1: that's
2: it, <laughs> I'm chomping at the bit to, uh, to 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 hear that album. So, um, the best place for people to um, find out find out about the lessons is through the MySpace page you have.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've got a, a couple MySpace pages, but as far as lessons things, it uh, would just be myspacecom Kluber which is E-R-I-K-K-L-U-I-B-E-R. And I don't go to it much, but it's like, that's where I do post. And you know, I post them on YouTube and I post them there as well. Seems like an, an easy spot to just check up on it now and again.
2: Okay. And from there, everyone can pretty much check in on White Wizard as well and, and everything else. You have everything linked through that page, right?
0: Uh, yeah, White Wizard is linked in the top friends there. And, and if you just want to go to the White Wizard page, it's real simple. I mean, the we use the MySpace. Okay. That's the number one place for the information for the band. Okay. And it's myspace.com slash white wizard, which is wizard with two Z's. That's funny you know. White wizard, but two Z's and wizard. Okay. It's okay. kind of funny that like, since I've been in the band, like the, the word wizard doesn't look right to me without two Z's. It's so funny. <laughs> you know cause technically it's one, but right. you know, I guess it's, it's more metal
2: to have two. Ab- absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to uh, talk to me. And- All right,
0: thanks for the opportunity. Yeah. All right, take Thank care. You. Hey, this is Eric from White Wizard. And you're listening to Mars Attack.